They drew in like cold hands to a fire. They hugged his leg. They played with his keys. Eddie mostly grunted, never saying much. He figured it was because he didn't say much that they liked him. Now Eddie tapped two little boys with backward baseball caps. They raced to the cart and tumbled in. Eddie handed his cane to the ride attendant and slowly lowered himself between the two. Here we go, here we go, one boy squealed as the other pulled Eddie's arm around his shoulder. Eddie lowered the lap bar and clack, 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 up they went. A story went around about Eddie. When he was a boy growing up by this very same pier, he got in an alley fight. Five kids from Pitkin Avenue had cornered his brother Joe and were about to give him a beating. Eddie was a block away on a stoop eating a sandwich. He heard his brother scream. He ran to the alley, grabbed a garbage can lid, and sent two boys to the hospital. After that, Joe didn't talk to him for months. He was ashamed. Joe was the oldest, the firstborn, but it was Eddie who did the fighting. Can we go again, Eddie, please? Thirty-four minutes to live. Eddie lifted the lap bar, gave each boy a sucking candy, retrieved his cane, then limped to the maintenance shop to cool down from the summer heat. Had he known his death was imminent, he might have gone somewhere else. Instead, he did what we all do. He went about his dull routine as if all the days in the world were still to come. One of the shop workers, a lanky, bony-cheeked young man named Dominguez, was by the solvent sink, wiping grease off a wheel. Yo, Eddie, he said. Dom, Eddie said. The shop smelled like sawdust. It was dark and cramped with a low ceiling and pegboard walls that held drills and saws and hammers. Skeleton parts of fun park rides were everywhere. Compressors, engines, belts, light bulbs, the top of a pirate's head. Stacked against one wall were coffee cans of nails and screws. Stacked against another wall were endless tubs of grease. Greasing a track, Eddie would say, required no more brains than washing a dish. The only difference was you got dirtier as you did it, not cleaner. And that was the sort of work that Eddie did. Spread grease, adjusted brakes, tightened bolts, checked electrical panels. Many times he had longed to leave this place, find different work, build another kind of life. But the war came. His plans never worked out. In time, he found himself graying and wearing looser pants and in a state of weary acceptance that this was who he was and who he would always be, a man with sand in his shoes in a world of mechanical laughter and grilled frankfurters. Like his father before him, like the patch on his shirt, Eddie was maintenance, the head of maintenance, or as the kids sometimes called him, the ride man at Ruby Pier. Thirty minutes left. Hey, happy birthday, I hear, Dominguez said. Eddie grunted. No party or nothing? Eddie looked at him as if he were crazy. For a moment he thought how strange it was to be growing old in a place that smelled of cotton candy. Well, remember, Eddie, I'm off next week, starting Monday, going to Mexico. Eddie nodded, and Dominguez did a little dance. Me and Teresa going to see the whole family. Party! He stopped dancing when he noticed Eddie staring. You ever been? Dominguez said. Been? To Mexico. Eddie exhaled through his nose. Kid, I never been anywhere I wasn't shipped to with a rifle. He watched Dominguez return to the sink. He thought for a moment, then he took a small wad of bills from his pocket and removed the only twenties he had, two of them. He held them out. Get your wife something nice. 
Eddie said. Dominguez regarded the money, broke into a huge smile, and said, Come on, man, you sure? Eddie pushed the money into Dominguez's palm. Then he walked out back to the storage area. A small fishing hole had been cut into the boardwalk planks years ago, and Eddie lifted the plastic cap. He tugged on a nylon line that dropped 80 feet to the sea. A piece of baloney was still attached. We catch anything? Dominguez yelled. Tell me we caught something. Eddie wondered how the guy could be so optimistic. There was never anything on that line. One day, Dominguez yelled, we're going to get a halibut. Yep, Eddie mumbled, although he knew you could never pull a fish that big through a hole that small. 26 minutes to live. Eddie crossed the boardwalk to the south end. Business was slow. The girl behind the taffy counter was leaning on her elbows, popping her gum. Once, Ruby Pier was the place to go in the summer. It had elephants and fireworks and marathon dance contests. But people didn't go to Ocean Piers much anymore. They went to theme parks where you paid $75 a ticket and had your photo taken with a giant furry character. Eddie limped past the bumper cars and fixed his eyes on a group of teenagers leaning over the railing. Great, he told himself, just what I need. Off, Eddie said, tapping the railing with his cane. Come on, it's not safe. The teens glared at him. The car pole sizzled with electric zip-zip-zip sounds. It's not safe, Eddie repeated. The teens looked at each other. One kid who wore a streak of orange in his hair sneered at Eddie, then stepped onto the middle rail. Come on, dudes, hit me, he yelled, waving at the young drivers. Hit Eddie whacked the railing so hard with his cane he almost snapped it in two. Move it! The teens ran away. Another story went around about Eddie. As a soldier, he had engaged in combat numerous times. He'd been brave, even won a medal. But toward the end of his service, he got into a fight with one of his own men. That's how Eddie was wounded. No one knew what happened to the other guy. No one asked. With 19 minutes left on Earth, Eddie sat for the last time in an old aluminum beach chair. His short, muscled arms folded like a seal's flippers across his chest. His legs were red from the sun, and his left knee still showed scars. In truth, much of Eddie's body suggested a survived encounter. His fingers were bent at awkward angles, thanks to numerous fractures from assorted machinery. His nose had been broken several times in what he called saloon fights. His broadly-jawed face might have been good-looking once, the way a prize fighter might have looked before he took too many punches. Now Eddie just looked tired. This was his regular spot on the Ruby Pier boardwalk, behind the Jackrabbit ride, which in the 1980s was the Thunderbolt, which in the 1970s was the Steel Eel, which in the 1960s was the Lollipop Swings, which in the 1950s was Laugh in the Dark, and which before that was the Stardust Bandshell, which was where Eddie met Marguerite. Every life has one true love snapshot. For Eddie, it came on a warm September night after a thunderstorm when the boardwalk was spongy with water. She wore a yellow cotton dress with a pink barrette in her hair. Eddie didn't say much. He was so nervous he felt as if his tongue were glued to his teeth. They danced to the music of a big band, Long Legs Delaney and his Everglades Orchestra. He bought her a lemon fizz. She said she had to go before her parents got angry. But as she walked away, she turned and waved. That was the snapshot. 
for the rest of his life, whenever he thought of Marguerite, and he would see that moment, her waving over her shoulder, her dark hair falling over one eye, and he would feel the same arterial burst of love. That night he came home and woke his older brother. He told him he'd met the girl he was going to marry. Go to sleep, Eddie, his brother groaned. Whoosh! A wave broke on the beach. Eddie coughed up something he didn't want to see. He spat it away. Whoosh! He used to think a lot about Marguerite. Not so much now. She was like a wound beneath an old bandage, and he had grown more used to the bandage. Whoosh! What was shingles? Whoosh! Sixteen minutes to live. No story sits by itself. Sometimes stories meet at corners, and sometimes they cover one another completely, like stones beneath a river. The end of Eddie's story was touched by another seemingly innocent story months earlier, a cloudy night when a young man arrived at Ruby Pier with three of his friends. The young man, whose name was Nicky, had just begun driving and was still not comfortable carrying a keychain. So he removed the single car key and put it in his jacket pocket, then tied the jacket around his waist. For the next few hours, he and his friends rode all the fastest rides, the Flying Falcon, the Splashdown, Freddy's Freefall, the Ghoster Coaster. Hands in the air, one of them yelled. They threw their hands in the air. Later, when it was dark, they returned to the car lot, exhausted and laughing, drinking beer from brown paper bags. Nicky reached into his jacket pocket. He fished around. He cursed. The key was gone.